Well, say grace and stuff my face. It's a special Turkey Day bonus episode of First Issue Club, the weekly comic book podcast where we discuss the most hyped number one issues each week and aid you through the muddy and murky waters of the comic book landscape. Since it's Thanksgiving, we wanted to have some friends and family with us today, and we're lucky to have both. Aww. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, as we are joined by the hosts of my favorite video game podcast, What's in a Game, which is part of our Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Because we've got a crossover theme for our holiday bonus app, we'll be discussing the new Tomb Raider comic book from Dark Horse Comics. Let's meet these new club members, guys. Tell us your names and... I experience very severe video game rage when things don't go my way. Can you tell us about a time that you had a video game meltdown? You should go first, because okay. you actually rage. <laughs> Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Cody Newell, uh, co-host of What's in a Game, and I have raged a lot at video games in my <laughs> life. Uh, but the one that sticks out the most was I was probably like 12 or 13 playing Super Smash Brothers Melee for the GameCube. I don't even remember what it was I was doing in it, but got so angry that I remember throwing the controller down, like grabbing a pillow and just like screaming into it, like muffled. <laughs> and just be like, Ugh! and I think my mom heard it and was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you need to stop. And I think she came upstairs and was like, you need to stop. Hi, my name is Dana Masters. I am also a co-host of What's in a Game. I don't really rage over games, um, but when I'm playing a scary game, I definitely lose control and will scream. Um, I almost got in trouble in college <laughs> during uh, quiet hours of finals week playing Dead Space, and I was like, ah! Ah! <laughs> That is a scary game. <laughs> uh, but I will, I'll, I'll have to like put it down. My hands will start shaking, and if someone's next to me, I'll be like, okay, you play. All right, and I'm Michael DeStacy, and just to share in the frustration, uh, <laughs> once I was playing Zelda Twilight Princess, and I saved my game at a part that was, I guess, a glitch in the game, where if you save at that point and quit, you can't get out of one location. I was stuck in this little, like, cave thing, and I couldn't get out. Oh, no. And I was, like, stomping around and just, like... <laughs> Just, like, yelling in my house. And I'm sure, like, my neighbors were probably like, he's murdering someone over there. I wrote Nintendo a very strongly worded email. Did you really? Oh, my like, God. Like, they're going to do anything. And I was like, this is inappropriate to send stuff out unpolished and finished. And I would expect more from my favorite video game company. All right. So those are our club members today. Let's get this podcast started. <laughs> All right, so let's talk Tomb Raider, Survivor's Crusade number one from Dark Horse Comics. Writers Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly with artists Ashley A. Woods. This first issue stars the video game franchise's fictional star, Lara Croft. We find her adventuring into an Italian town exploring ruins, and encountering some armed goons within. Pretty much exactly what you would have guessed you'd find in a Tomb Raider comic book and nothing more. Mm. Uh, before we get into it, are you guys Tomb Raider fans coming into this book? Have you played many of the games? It sort of depends on what era of Tomb Raider, I guess, mm -hmm. you're talking about, because I've played a little bit of the first two, and those are like PlayStation 1 era, Yeah, and that's the like the OG era of Tomb Raider, but the series has gone through two major reboots, 
and now is in uh, the second reboot. Mm-hmm. And I think the best, I think we're in the best era of of Tomb Raider and of Laura Croft. Like, I I don't think I'm a big fan of the older ones <laughs> or even the mid period ones very much. I don't know about you, Dana, but um, I would agree. I wasn't really playing games when the older ones were out. Um, but the newest reboot in 2013, mm-hmm. um, Tomb Raider, I really enjoyed that one. I did like that. I've seen one of the movies, maybe. Yeah. It was okay. I think there's a new one coming out, right? There is, which is like based on the new like reboots. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. So it's not Angelina Jolie. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's this reboot. Square Phoenix is in it, too. I remember liking those movies, though. I remember remember going to the drive-in, strangely enough, and seeing the Tomb Raider movie. That sounds like a perfect drive-in movie. Oh, it was actually really, like, it was was good. (laughs) It was good. But, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. The... The original character was like really hyper sexualized, and I think a lot of that was just gamer culture going She's into it. She's considered a sex icon. Right. Do I remember correctly that in the first game, there was a code to make Lara Croft naked? Whoa. You know what? I actually read up on that. I don't think the studio made that. I think people created patches oh. for it. Oh, it was a huge people rumor. People are gross. But <laughs> it, I don't think that was the developer at all. I'm pretty sure that was other gamers. So was this a computer game too and not just a PlayStation game? Yeah, but PlayStation is like the place where Tomb Raider definitely like took caught off. massive peel. Well, I'm so glad you guys have some context for <laughs> <laughs> what this story is and what the video video games about because I have none. You know, so one interesting thing with this book was that there's a narrative going on throughout that takes the form of voicemail messages Mm -hmm. that Lara is leaving this guy Jonah, Mm -hmm. who I'm assuming is her partner. I can give a little synopsis. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, So the first game, without going into spoilers, um, was kind of a reawakening for Laura Croft. She's very much like sort of a normal girl. She's still very intelligent, still has a lot of money, um, but she is very timid. She's not the Laura Croft you're used to seeing. Her motto throughout the entire game, which starts off really timid and becomes very encouraging, is, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can do this. Um, Which is really kind of fun to play with a character like that, especially if, like, you also have to, like, tell yourself you can do things. Like, how how relatable. Um, She's thrust into a situation where she has to kill people, um, save her friends, uh, loses some friends. And Jonah Um, is one of the friends that's with her, right? Right. Um, He is... Obviously, there are going to be some survivors, so this is a spoiler. But Jonah survives. So yeah. if you go back and play that first game, he survives. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. He's also the only character to reappear in the sequel, um, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, and he comes along in that sequel as a sort of companion. Okay. Um, I don't believe there's any sort of romantic relationship, but he is someone who kind of takes on that caretaker role of checking in with her quite a bit. And uh, I think because of the events in the second game, they're incredibly close. Yeah. Um, so this is someone she is normally honest with, and she's debating whether she needs to be truthful, truthful or not. And I was just looking through this and thinking, like, this character is incredibly cold and hardened compared to the one that we see in the first game. And maybe something happened in the second game since I haven't played it that I don't know. But it seems like they try to insert that vulnerability that really drew you to her in the first game through these voice messages. Totally. Uh, That's such a good synopsis of of what this did. 
Yeah, and maybe that's like maybe that's what this really succeeds at doing is kind of like reintroducing a little bit of that and showing how like even though she is very hardened, she is maybe kind of like questioning like, well, I'm like leaving Jonah behind. Like, I don't know. You know, this is a little bit like I I know what I have to do, and I'm I'm just gonna I guess go through with it. Um, or should she even be doing it? Yeah, or should she even be doing this at mm-hmm. all? I I don't know. I I was glad to see though that Laura is still badass as she's like blasting <laughs> dudes through the head with with arrows, which is a very <laughs> specific reference to those reboots. Yeah, it's it's really Oh, does that happen in the game? Oh my god. She has more of a bow throughout that game and it's something she kind of like stumbled upon and like yeah. had to craft. So it's interesting that she's bringing a bow into an underground temple <laughs> instead of a gun. Well, uh-huh. um you mentioned that she was crafting a bow or crafts things. Is that a heavy theme in the game that she's a maker and a crafter because at some point in this comic she like MacGyver's a bomb with (laughs) like a a root from the ground I have no idea how that was how how does that even make a bomb (laughs) it made no sense she's a little more practical in the video game I think yeah Uh, (laughs) Yeah. just like well I don't have any bombs guess I'll have to hope there's a root down there (laughs) beneath this ancient Italian temple or whatever it's like what (laughs) good thing I've got extra long shoelaces (laughs) Uh, there, there were a handful of things that struck me as super odd or a little ridiculous in, in this book. One of which is the book starts off in this first panel where she's like scaling this wall. Yeah. She's Batman. And, you know, comes <laughs> up and has this, you know, view of the this town that she's going to start exploring. And then she hops into the town and it's like a pretty modern city. Like you didn't have to parkour up a wall like out from the ocean to just like walk around this town, take a road. Right, right. <laughs> I think that's like that might be a consequence of the Uncharted games because mm. they've had like a pretty big influence, I think, on especially on this reboot on the reboot series. Like yeah. um, and in those games, like there are good reasons for the characters kind of like scaling roofs and, and not not wanting to be seen. With yeah, this, sure. it's like I guess there's a good reason because she's kind of like on the shit list of this this Trinity paramilitary group. So but she's sneaking in. Right. And the, the context of video gameplay, it makes me like a lot of the things that I'm seeing in this book a little more because it's more of an ode or a nod to the video game than I have context for. So it just plays to me as strange when I read it in a book. You know what I mean? Right. And and it like those things make a lot more sense, I think, if you're playing the game yep. rather than reading a, a comic it just it, yeah it's a, it's a little weird and a little like yeah i again like i'm not sure who this is is this for the people who are super into tomb raider and if so like i'm not sure what they're getting out of it's it it's gotta be just for them i guess i guess <laughs> but at, the, at that point i'm like well wouldn't you just replay the game but all right maybe you're sure. just so starved for new information like this. right you've already played through the game twice right. give me more <laughs> right but and, how many people are there like that maybe like you said they sell millions of these potentially, right? Yeah, I mean, they might. And and I guess this is the the first issue. I got to, like, yeah. give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it would go further. Um, but, yeah, it, it just seems so many things about it are just so oh, bizarre. Can I point out another thing that I thought was really strange about this book and bothered me is that there's a guy at the end who seems to be, like, a church cult member sort of guy. And he's leading this team of goons that are in this temple. Lara's trying to get some information from him, and he gives it to her, and then chooses a suicide pill? (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you're gonna kill yourself, don't give up the information. Like, he gives away this, like, guy who killed her dad? Is that a big part of the video game? 
that yeah. her dad is murdered. Well, I don't remember that from the first one. No. Well, he's like, he, obviously, he's 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 passed away. He's dead in the first one. I think the second one is more concerned with like, oh, somebody maybe killed him. Um, yeah, I think it's implied it was. This was a spoiler for me, having not played the second game. I think people thought it was a suicide, and yeah. it turns out she finds out at the end of the game it was a murder, and that Trinity had a hand mm. in it. Um, Trinity is the main antagonistic group in the second game, yeah. um, so completely different antagonist in the sequel, and so it looks like they're continuing on with this in the comics. So same kind of villain from the second game. Yeah, I, I'm just not sure, though. Like, even at that point, like, when, when at the end of this thing, like, I'm not sure, like... She says, like, I know what I have to do. It's like, well, what? Like, I don't even know. Like, I'm confused. Like, what do you, I guess find the cardinal, but it's like, like. She's out to kill this cardinal. Right. But that's, it, that's her one motivation is, I think, just revenge, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And, it, like, that's, that could be interesting, I guess, as, like, a f- another arc for this character. Uh, from, like, going to timid to, like, self-sufficient to now going to, like, the extreme yeah, of, like. Hyper-aggressive. Yeah, like, I'm going to kill some dudes. Um because, I mean, that, it, like, even in the games, you, I mean, you just kill, like, hundreds of people. That's one of the things that, like, even the Uncharted games, you're supposed to be, like, a good person and you're killing countless people. <laughs> this comic did strike me as oddly violent. And I yeah. think it was just because of the cartoony style of the illustration. Right. That I was maybe expecting it to be more of an all-ages thing. But the character obviously kills a lot of people. The comic book's going to do the same. Like they're, yeah. she's like straight up like John Wicking people. Like <laughs> yeah. she's just like multiple people dead with like one arrow, oh, yeah. pulling a bullet out of her arm, just like cracking guys' legs. It's, it's <laughs> way more intense than I expected this book to be. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Tomb Raider: Survivor's Crusade number one from Dark Horse Comics. Thank you guys so much for joining the club today. Yeah. Uh, If I could pay you a compliment real quick. uh, (laughs) One thing that I love about your podcast is that you guys aren't just discussing gameplay like you would expect a lot of people to. You really get into the narrative of the game and things like that, even with like Mario on your last episode, (laughs) which like I love so much. Like that's the stuff I love talking about. And uh, I think you brought a lot of that to today's discussion, too, and kind of made me like this book maybe a little more than I <laughs> than I did when I started into it. Um, well, thank so you. Before we go, I want to make sure people know about your podcast and yeah. where to find it. Can you give our listeners a little bit of info? Yeah, I mean, we're called What's in a Game. Uh, you can find us just about anywhere you can get podcasts. I think we're the only place I can think that we're not on is Google Play, but I think Shall we're we? we're in process of getting it up there. Um, but just about anywhere you get podcasts, you can find us on FountainCityFrequency.com, um, iTunes, everywhere. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at What's in a Game Pod, and you can follow me at Cody Newell. Um, that's where we post a bunch of crazy, ridiculous bullshit every day. Um, yeah. We're also on Instagram, too. Yeah. Um, that's new. Yeah, if you like video games, if you're into video games and into uh, pictures. hearing... And pi- <laughs> pictures. Yeah. Pictures. And, and uh, uh, we we take in-game audio and we put it in our podcast to give people oh, kind of a taste. I love it. It's, it's, I, it's one of my favorite things about <laughs> our podcast, if I can just gush about it for a yeah. second. Um, uh I, I think it, it meshes really well, and I think it I think it sounds really well. So yeah, all right. Find us on the internet on the internet somewhere. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys, um, and thanks to our listeners for joining us on a holiday special with our podcast family and friends. 
We hope you're having a wonderful holiday surrounded by people you at least sort of like. <laughs> First Issue Club is recorded at KCR Studios in Kansas City, is a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our show is produced by Matt Hodap, and our music is courtesy of Primary Colors Music. We normally do a sign-off at the end of our shows. Do you guys want to join me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm Michael DeStacy. Bye. I'm Dana Masters. Bye. I'm Cody Newell. Smell you later. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Grinching in my nice. seat. <laughs> Bye, guys. There's a problem in the game is that her hair was really stiff, and when they did the remake, they tried to make her hair more flowy around her, and I'm like, they made her look like an anime. Tress effects, I think, was actually the name of the hair technology, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know how nerdy. They improved it, but then the comic book just takes it right back, and she looks like an anime.